A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Hey guys, welcome to episode 24 of the Blackberry podcast. My name is Dami and I'm sitting down with Israel, Mary. How you guys doing? Wonderful. It's really hot today. It's hot. It's yeah, a, it's a I'm very really warm feeling day. the heat. Yeah, yeah. It's a very warm <sighs> day. How's your week been? Um, it's been good. I'm on half term now, so that's why it's good. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Mary, big, <laughs> big day for you today, Mary. Yeah. We're recording on Saturday. For those who way. don't know, I'm a Liverpool fan. I've been a Liverpool fan for a long time now. And we're in the finals of the Champions League against this team called Real Madrid. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah. I have faith, man. You have faith. My boys are going to do it. We're going to, we're going to win. <laughs> Besides that, how's your week been? Uh, it's been good. Uh, it's been good. I'm busy at work. But okay. It's, I'm moving kind of closer to summer period, which should be a bit calmer at right. work. So yeah, I'm getting excited. Nice. Should be good. Nice. And yourself, Demi? I've been good. It's been a very good week for me, generally. Got a chance to do quite a bit of reading. Um, and the Houston Rockets are up 3-2 <laughs> in the NBA Western Conference Finals. Basketball reference. Go wait till the series yeah, over before next week. CP3 is out of an injury. So while you've been in the prayer closet for Liverpool, <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> I've been there hoping that he gets healed for that game six. Um, what books have you been reading? So I've been reading a book called Sexual Detox by Tim Chalice. Okay. Um, so it's a book that one of the brothers bought for me. And it basically talks about the age of sexual liberation in which we're in. Okay. And how Christian young men in particular... Um, ought to be thinking to move themselves out of the toxicity, toxic. Yeah, is that that's the right way to say it? Toxicity, toxicity yeah. mm-hmm. of the um, sexual um, age that we're in in this culture. So it's a really good book. I'd recommend it for anybody who's thinking about ways to. Hmm. Um, how do I say? Get a man out of the gutter. Yeah. Okay. Pretty yeah, pretty yeah. simply. Um, so good book. Um, I've also been reading. Richard Brooks' book on tax. Okay. Um, Richard Brooks. Richard Brooks. I keep forgetting the name of the book. Okay. I keep forgetting the name of the book. Mm-hmm. But it's a really good book. Um, that's about it. And then besides that, just Old Testament reading. I trust you to be reading books on tax. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, just uh, Bible reading as well. And then yeah, lots of sports and enjoyment. Okay. You're so, really enjoying your, your sabbatical listen, or, or whatever you do generally, I'm, but you're really enjoying yourself. I, I can tell. Months. I have three months off still. More plans. So yeah. But <laughs> um, besides, be nice. besides all of that stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, there's been a lot happening since we last recorded. Yeah. And it's been a really interesting yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Particularly here in the UK. GDPR. GDPR. Updating our privacy <laughs> um, policy. Which by the way, sorry, if you... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point that Mary brings this up. Um, if you're on our mailing list, you would have received an email about the GDPR changes um, and the updating privacy laws in the UK. We need you to make sure not only do you read that email, but you click the update preferences on the email so that we can continue, so that we have consent to continue to send you updates about our content mm. and things mm-hmm. that we've got coming up. So please make sure if you received the email um, to click update preferences. Or if you want to join our mailing list, you can sign up on our website. So make sure you look out there, blackberryo.co.uk. We've currently 
got another video out actually on tithing. Yes, yes. So with Israel and uh, our brother Joseph. Our brother Joseph. Yes. Have a look at that. That was a really good video. Mm. Um, just an introductory level look at um, the theology of tithing mm. um, and the dangers of being told that if you don't tithe, you'll die. Yeah. And if the video needs <laughs> you to tithe to Blackberry R, oh, wow. send us an email um, at blackberry at gmail.com. We will happily receive any funds that you feel led to <laughs> give emphasis on you feeling led <laughs> not israel compelling you to send us money but um yeah sorry nonetheless um since we recorded last week saturday in fact mm-hmm. roy wedding yep. wedding of possibly some might say the century um the year at least of the year at least i was about to say century <laughs> wow. um big big stuff big yeah. stuff um so obviously if you've been living under a rock you would otherwise have seen this. So Meghan Markle, actress on Suits, got married to Prince Harry, mm-hmm. son of Prince Charles and uh, the late Diana, Princess of Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, got married last week, Saturday at, I was about to say, it was, about, it was Windsor Castle, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it is Windsor, Windsor Castle. Castle um, mm. St. Paul's Cathedral. Yeah. And um, massive wedding, broadcasted. Mm. Mm. in however many countries around the world so it's seen by millions yeah attended by some of the most famous celebrities in popular culture as well as different fields yeah um did you guys enjoy the wedding yeah it was beautiful yeah it was yeah. glorious i really enjoyed it enjoyed i love it? to be honest, i'm a royalist like my family mm. love the royals like my mom woke me up at 8 a.m she was like are you recording it please record it and my <laughs> aunt, i had to go and pick up my auntie because she came to watch it and she was ready she was oh, wow watched, like people like they probably watched it um and i watched it as well i, I was traveling so I, I caught glimpses but i've, I've watched it it since anyway but it was really good like just uh the entrance what she was wearing i know people were saying it's a bit simple but i i liked it i thought it was really good um the sermon which we'll probably get on to um the singing yeah um the kingdom choir stand by me which is on spotify i've been listening to that all week um and the entrance for for um for i was gonna say princess you know too late too early uh for megan where she came down with with the with the orchestra and the and the mm. opera singer, I thought that was beautiful. Like I've been playing that as well. So yeah, I really liked it. Nice, Israel. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. I mean, I I was dipping in and out, um, watching it as I was doing things at home. So you're definitely not but a realist. Um, in, how do you dip in and out when you? Um, when... I appreciate the royal family. Okay. Um, I think we, the UK probably needs them more now than ever. But that's more like ideological than anything else. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I enjoyed it. I I was really. Um, surprised by how amazing the weather was and how just like everything was really put together. Um, Who was your best dress of the wedding? Mm. I'm, I don't want to say it. David Beckham. Know, I, I just, <laughs> let's not, let's not, let's not play it. Come on, don't play it. I with didn't want to say it. Don't play with me. It is true. Okay. It was, I did and like Harry's, Harry's um, soldier. It's not called a... I don't even know what it's Let's just say ensemble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. Okay. The um, evening outfits were nice as well. When yeah. they stepped into that car... Right, right, James right, Dean, right, right. she was just so sweet. I liked it. Yeah. But yeah, David Beckham was just come on. He did it. <laughs> right. He shut it down. On Twitter, the, everyone was having a Yo, I, I, to me, that was the best part of the wedding itself. <laughs> just the online commentary. Um, <laughs> and so much of the commentary extends to some of the stuff that we'll be talking about yeah. today. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess we'll kick this off talking about what was possibly the most interesting part for loads of people hmm. about the wedding. Hmm. Um, 14 minutes of Michael Curry at the pulpit in uh, Windsor Castle. Um, if you haven't heard this sermon, I'm sure you would have at least seen some of the very polarizing reactions to it. Um, 
some people absolutely loved it. I remember coming home and hearing from my mum like, yo, that sermon was fire. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Mm. Um, online people were shouting preach. He's talking about the he's talking about the colonizers in front of the colonizers. <laughs> um, yeah. He's um, going referencing spiritual Mel- songs. Yes, um, MLK, slaves, um, like Antebellum South, all of that kind of stuff. And then you've got other people talking about that was just way too long. Forceful, um, <laughs> forceful and energetic, which we'll get onto actually <laughs> um, about sermon delivery and stuff like that. But I will just ask. Um, to kick off, what was your like thoughts about the sermon? Did you think it was appropriate for the occasion? I think it was appropriate in a sense of we were at a wedding. Yeah. Um, you're seeing two people who are in love with each other getting married in front of God. Um, and he he did he I think he starts off by reading or someone else read actually. So is it Songs of Solomon eight six about mm-hmm. um my beloved says unto me um your love is as strong as death and then he mm. he spoke genuinely about love and of course if you go to a wedding, uh the preacher usually does cover the topic of love and then takes it however he wants to, you know, either it's evangelistic or he encourages the, the bride and the groom to love each other to the end. Um, so I, I thought it was appropriate. Um, I, I I just, I enjoyed some parts of it, but it was almost like, um, I felt like for the sermon, and maybe it's just me being picky, but I feel like I was waiting for him to get there. And I generally didn't think he got there. Um, Where is there for you? So like he spoke about love, right. but it was very much a love will save the day okay. type of vibe. So it was yeah. it was very much around the redemptive power of love. That was his um, like key, key he kept, phrase. He, you know, he constantly yeah. said, yeah. you know, mm. love will change the day, love will win, love will overcome in you know, uh poverty or and world ills and and you know social um injustices and so forth. And it was very much love is gonna change it. And I just feel like okay, I get that. And and to an extent of course I agree if 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 our, if we did love our neighbour um as as we ought to and we love them properly then it would kind of remove so many of the things that we see today that that are our issues but it was we didn't he didn't speak about the fact that god is love and it's god in his love um that saves us and changes us and transforms us Mm. as opposed to love being a power because he says he goes on to say something about it's a fire and, and the fire kind of burns and changes us. And of course that's true, but it's God who, who ignites that through the gospel. Yeah. And, I, and I just feel like he didn't get there. Um, but that's just my opinion. Well, Mary, that was ether. So <laughs> we'll... <laughs> no, I'm kidding, right. Um, Israel, what did, what did you think about the sermon? Well, first of all, I was surprised in the sense that it was more, um, it was more than I expected. Okay. So I think uh, I had heard, obviously, that there was this African-American guy who was going to preach. I didn't really dig into who he was as a person. Mm. Um, But given the um, Church of England's um, change in theology over the years, I figured it would be a very, very mushy, um, you guys love each other, we're happy we're here, God, let's go home, kind of thing. So it was more than I expected in terms of theology, which was a surprise for me. Um, But also, after the sermon... Did do my research on who he was and being the head of the Episcopal Church in America. Right. Um, I wasn't surprised as to the content given the nature and the theology of the Americanist Episcopal Church. Yeah, right. yeah. So again, I I was disappointed in the sense, like Mary said, there wasn't um, as robust a gospel as I would have I would have liked. Right. Um, but then I wasn't surprised given who he is in terms of his theology and the church he currently. Um, presides over as bishop so I just thought to myself okay I see what he's trying to do um, I I do wish he had put more Christ into it than he did I think he mainly he, he sort of just gave Jesus a mention 
right. sort of like a hashtag as opposed to Christ being the essence of the whole right. sermon. Um, I had one more thing I was going to say. So, I, I mean, I can't remember. while you can't remember yeah. it, I'll chime in because um, it's a tough gig, first yeah, of all, I will it say. Is. Yeah, it it's, is. A tough it's gig. not easy to preach a sermon in front of the royal family, first of all, let mm. alone the millions of people who'd be tuning in to watch it. And so I wanted to be cautious when I was thinking about critiquing that sermon. So I, mm. I watched, I think, the highlights of it, then went away and read it in its entirety. And so I can appreciate that um, very many preachers will think very deeply, mm-hmm. I hope yeah. at least, about what it is that they're going to preach in front of these people. Um, I remember somebody saying to me, you know, is it, are you going <clears> to, <throat> how comfortable are you going to feel preaching about sin and hell and repentance when Meghan Markle was looking up at you with those kind of very loving eyes that she sh- shared towards Har- um, Harry? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I'm sure there's been times because you preach Mm. Israel and I'm sure there's been times mm. when you've been in front of an audience <laughs> and you've been conscious of at least their reactions when you're saying what you're saying yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't want to make it seem as if um, this is an easy thing to do mm. um, but what if somebody says to you listen this is a this is a it's a wedding sermon we don't need him to expound the doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement mm. um, Philippians 118 Christ was proclaimed you know how Paul's saying you know yeah where it was out of a uh, envy or out of truth I'm happy that Christ was proclaimed how because you heard some stuff some of the stuff that he said for example he mentions mm. the fact that uh, Christ died yeah mm-hmm. um, he speaks about sacrificial love yeah. yeah God being the source of love so you can you can at least admit that there was some agreeable theology yeah mm. do we need this heavy doctrinal emphasis to come through in the temple um Yes and no. Oh, I don't want to say no. That sounds so heretical. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what I did. Um, okay, let me start with this. Uh, take charge of the question. So I, I would say I would say his goal, and I'm, so I read an article on that was breaking down his sermon, and, mm. and I think it's probably true. His goal in the sermon was twofold. Primarily, first of all, taking a concept that was agreed upon universally, at least in the West, about what love is, mm-hmm. and trying to take the listeners one step closer to a truer picture of love right and it reminds me of um c.s lewis's uh, mere christianity where in the preface he says you know i'm not trying to convince you of anglicanism or the full contours of any theological framework mm. but i essentially want you to walk through the corridor of the faith and to have a like a peripheral glance at um christianity broadly considered and then once you have that picture you can move more deeper into it so i think he had that kind of aim where he's trying to take people with this idea of love and say well what does love really look like and so you emphasize the sacrificial nature Mm. you emphasize the redemptive nature of love and so on so i i do think in that in that sense he took people one step closer by adding a feature of love that i don't think most of us consider at least in terms of the culture yeah i don't think the culture has a picture of love that's sacrificial and redemptive mm. right. so those two points definitely true he's taken them closer however however um in order to do that he pro- he did need to say more okay because those two terms weren't clarified to the point where we have a you know, a clear picture and by those terms are you mean sacrifice and redemption yeah okay. yeah so what does redemption mean and i think obviously that would have been a beautiful doorway mm. into a, a just a full-out statement of the gospel right what does sacrificial love 
in its fullest extent mean? Again, an easy, beautiful doorway into talking about the cross of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which um, would have lent itself to a full proclamation of the atonement of Christ um, for the sins of his people, um, the resurrection, faith, sin, like the whole picture of the gospel. Um, so the fact that he mentioned those two words, which is a step closer, but ended there, made it insufficient. Um, right. And I definitely think you, he needed to explain it so that people could be left with a a complete... It was an incomplete picture. And I, okay. and I think, as many have said, an incomplete gospel is a false gospel. And so because it was incomplete, um, people have left with like a nice idea but they haven't left with the gospel okay um, and you, you do need to do those yeah and even to be able to give them the even when you think about the takeaways that i kind of got from the sermon and, and i'm of course i'm thinking of the audience you've got you know david beckham you've got serena williams you've got mm. all these people you've got a, a group of people who who don't have a because i know some people would say about a wedding i've been to weddings where people don't preach the gospel or they don't really labor repent and believe yeah. um but i think in in the audience that he had he he's very much aware that these people have know very much what love is about and and so forth so when you're, when you're talking about um love and you're saying that we need to love each other we need to love one another that is true but the takeaway someone someone has from that sermon is okay cool i just need to love my neighbor better mm. and that's it um mm. and if you don't love your neighbor better do you think okay and as opposed to I need to love my neighbor better, but I know I can't love him as perfectly as I ought to. Or yeah. what does that mean about me? And then, then, then you have that reflective uh, consideration of actually, I need to come to the end of myself and realize that God is love and God is mm. the one who loves me mm. perfectly and gives me grace to love others as opposed to my love just needs to be better. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's what I took away from the sermon ultimately. Demi, what, what do you think? Um, so yeah. I are, mean, we I was... being too, are we being too nitpicky? I mean... Too critical? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, I read people I, that were I, like I, everyone's. Just, I, I read a status today, and someone was like, "Oh, you guys can't even appreciate the little nuggets that we have to promote truth." He, he only had fourteen minutes. Are we in a like, how hard is it to, to convey fair, that in such a short held time? To a higher standard. I'm so sorry. You're okay. The presiding, bishop, <laughs> the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Okay. Like, no, you're not. You're not Joe from the block. No, you're not. But, but so, you would have. So I think I, I'm just Joe from the Black. Sorry, my, that my, sounds my, came into my head. My only side point is that I think you can be nitpicky with someone who is meant to be and who, by all accreditation, accreditate. Oh gosh, accreditation there has <laughs> like a robust or should have had a robust theological education. You can be nitpicky with them. Your conclusions after being nitpicky, we can disagree on, but I think it's fair to do that to someone like him. Um. I was just going to say it like I think ultimately I agree with Mary in the sense that um, Jesus Christ was kind of painted as somebody to emulate mm-hmm. um, our example uh, yeah our example as opposed to um, understanding that the predicate of loving your neighbor of course is loving God um, and you can only do that having come to faith um, through Jesus Christ um, but again I was just going to say before Israel chimed in on the um point about him being held to a higher standard um i think people can legitimately ask are we nitpicking i don't think it's necessarily wrong to ask that Mm -hmm. just because again the the occasion and also i'm sure they would have had a number of constraints that work with things like timing and all of that kind of stuff 
Mm. I'm wondering how, and perhaps this goes to another question that we'll move on to, mm. how easy it is for you to have an, do I say expository sermon? Sorry. Um, if you guys heard that, that's Eden screaming, Richard's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how easy it is to have a fully expository sermon in the short amount of time that he probably was giving. Um, By so expository, you mean in terms of like unpacking the unpacking, text? Unpacking, yeah. Unpacking yeah. the text or or him going and dealing with that that whole idea of atonement, considering that he's got 14 minutes and you've already got people rolling their eyes and fanning themselves because it's too long, in their opinion. Do you know what I mean? I go to weddings yeah. and our sermons are at least half an hour, so yeah. I have no, for me mm. it's cool. But for somebody who doesn't go to church regularly or for somebody who doesn't sit under preaching. But we have TED Talks that are not, anyway, sorry, that was, that was the same. That, that <laughs> the question, no, but the question is, right. are the people who are tuning into this interested watching TED Talks? Talk less about oh, they listen to preaching. No. Okay, first of all, That's I true. think the the um, attendees of the wedding are probably all graduates. Plus, I can't think we can say that. I don't even know. Uh, I, don't know. I don't even know where you're going to go. Really I don't know where he's going with this as well. I, I, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> right. as, as a, this again, this is, this oh, you used to like listen to lectures is, and seminars. A, what's the word? David Beckham's a graduate. This is by no means... This is by no means like I've done some data analysis or anything, right? So I might be absolutely you get it wrong. out there because Thomas Sowell won't be on the your ass. Given the nature of Harry and Meghan, right? <laughs> You're so silly. Continue, continue, continue. <laughs> given the nature, of... given the nature of Harry, Meghan, and the royal family, I can say a a huge majority, right, of them are highly educated. Okay. Now that doesn't mean every single person that was present has a BA from a Russell Group University, but it does mean that. They are used to, by and large, most of them are used to sitting in a context where they have to listen mm-hmm. to something for an extended period of time. Sure. I'm sure there's probably like one or two who aren't used to that. But I, I find it hard to believe that everyone there was like, oh, my days, I've never had to sit, listen to a talk for 15 minutes. And this is driving me nuts. Right. So the ability to listen to an extended talk, I think, um, it's something that's perfectly reasonable for the vast majority of the actual attendees in the in the church. As 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 to the people watching and stuff, that's a different matter. I'm not looking at that. Um, which means that I don't know how much the length issue is really an issue. Okay. Um, that's that was the only point I was trying to make mm. from that. Really. Okay. I don't think it was as big an issue as might have been stated. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the secondary point, the secondary aim that I think. Um, reverend michael curry wanted to make is to infuse his talk with black culture okay so i think the mentions of the antebellum era the uh, martin luther king quote all and uh, the quote from the um ego spiritual yeah all of that i think was intentional Mm -hmm. i'm fairly certain his sermon was looked over by justin welby at the least the head of um the uh, archbishop of canterbury who's the head of oh no he's not the head the queen is who's yeah superintends the um, church of england yep I'm, I'm fairly certain he and other people in the church of england at least had a cursory glance at the sermon and approved of it so i'm sure he could have made if he wanted to which is why i'm being critical yeah i'm yeah. fairly certain he could have emphasized the gospel more than he did if he wanted to mm-hmm. but he had other aims like trying to be explicit with black culture right which probably pushed other concerns somewhat to the side did you appreciate that though those nods to black culture i did one because um one of my fears was that Meghan markle would just be absorbed into this royal family ideal 
and everything that she was would be like discarded Sponged, and yeah. be like well you're joining the royal family now so you have to basically become us and any everything that's unique to your individuality is going to disappear so the fact that it didn't was really good for me okay or good for me to see secondly i just enjoyed it because of the reactions that those in the um audience yeah if you saw yeah. zara phillips face yeah that was fantastic and you, could, you could see <laughs> the awkwardness and yeah. the tension um and i was i guess it was a good reminder to those present that there is more to this world than your bubble right and it's easy for you in your upper class you know um world to think that the actions of your predecessors and so on have disappeared but actually they're still here and they're still remembered by the vast majority of people in the world mm. so i think that sort of like minor point mm-hmm. was was good to emphasize okay um but i'm just saying i acknowledge the consequence of that that because that was one of his goals probably again i'm not reading his intentions i'm just trying to like reverse engineer because that was probably one of his goals it did mean that he pushed what i think would have been a better aim mm-hmm. or is a better aim to the side such as unpacking the gospel even more right right all right then so that being said yeah what would you think a good sermon should include let's ask our resident preacher <laughs> <laughs> christ <laughs> that was- oh what's that quote by um spurgeon no christ in your sermon go home and find him that's clearly not the sermon but it's, no, it's yeah, clearly not the quote yeah, but um, it's, wait, it's something, it's something like, like that Mary uh, invented the remix if, if Christ is in your sermon go home until you, until you can find him yeah and, like until you can actually incorporate so I know so I, I'm going to paraphrase it right Spurgeon basically says something like um, no matter what your text is on no matter what you're preaching you must end with Christ and all of Christ and if you can't go home until you can create a sermon that can mm. end with Christ right. Christ on every uh, page yeah and I think what he's saying in more academic terms is you have to preach every sermon through the redemptive historical lens um, or sorry, the redemptive historical grammatical hermeneutic, which we've actually mentioned in our video on hermeneutics, mm. which is between, I believe, Richard and me, actually. Yeah. 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 So check that out on YouTube where we go into more depth about that. Um, but that's basically what Spurgeon's quote is trying to say and so one of the things yeah that definitely should be in a good sermon is that within whatever text you're preaching or whatever topic you're preaching you you go deep into the specifics of the text and the topic but you also go broad into the story of redemption which necessitates um pointing to christ and where he fits in in the point you're trying to deliver to the people um so that they are left with a bigger picture of god um, through the beauty work person of Jesus Christ mm. and that's even in wedding sermons yeah 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 especially in wedding sermons I mean the whole nature of marriage is that it's a reflection of the um, union and the covenant between Christ and the church mm. and any true statement of marriage will have to refer back to that covenant between Christ and the church and how can you do that without discussing the gospel the personal work of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I agree. Even when you um, sorry, <laughs> I sorry, to say something. <laughs> My bad. I should have stopped you there. <laughs> no, I agree. Even um, like growing up, because obviously I grew up listening to sermons, um, and just listening to uh, 
Old Testament specifically, because obviously New Testament, it's it's Christ revealed, so it's, it's a lot more applicable in terms yeah. of just you see, you see the gospel being applied directly. But in the Old Testament, just reading stories of, of various uh, people, you know, from Joseph to to Samuel to Rahab to David, um, and then you when you hear a sermon actually unpack that, so you you see someone talk about. Joseph being a type of Christ or mm. Esther, you know, appearing before Mordecai is, is how Christ protects his people. Mm. And and you, you see the, the preacher being to preach. <laughs> shut, <laughs> shut up. The preacher yeah. being able to uh directly unpack what the text is actually saying, but then apply it through yes. as you said the gospel lens. Yes. So you, so you get the you get both things. You get the fact that you understand the text correctly hmm. um but also you you understand it sufficiently in, in how it applies to the gospel yeah so you get a, the best yeah. of both um which i think a good sermon should should do yeah i i i hear exactly what you guys have said more hmm. christ yeah more, more christ. christ the other two things i'll mention is um a good sermon should be expository in that it's hinged on a passage in the scriptures um that is not to be anti-topical sermons However, your topical sermons. We know your be. guy likes topical sermons. <laughs> <laughs> no shots, no shots, no shots, no shots. Go, go. I am <laughs> finished. I am undone. Um, uh, <laughs> and the second thing was. Uh, and the second thing is applicable to the people that you're preaching to. Mm. And I think this is one of the critiques of, and I guess maybe we'll discuss it at another point, of uh, Michael Curry's sermon in that how applicable was it to the actual people in the congregation? Um, who were listening? Uh, how much did his, the, the, how much does the sermon generally consider the people being spoken to, mm-hmm. and apply it in such a way that it actually affects the way they view and approach a particular aspect of their life? So, if that's a you know a sermon on piety and one's spirituality and devotion, how does that change the way they view their prayer life or their Bible reading? If this is ethics in regards to the way they conduct themselves at work, how does it change the way they view their role in the office and so on? Does it actually leave them with a um, truer picture of how they are meant to conduct themselves in a given area of life? So by this, you mean application? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in short. Um, that was <laughs> so do you think you can uh, like the sermon without endorsing his theology? So this was a, a very contentious part i would say there were so many things like who is michael curry like five minutes after the sermon yeah. dropped um mm. i was gonna say this was contentious i think more so for a number of kind of conservative evangelicals mm-hmm. um such as yourself yeah <laughs> uh, although i'm cautious to use that tag okay <laughs> um so if you don't know, like, as it was already said, he's the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church in the US. Um, and he in particular has been an outspoken advocate of same-sex marriage mm-hmm. to the point where the um, Anglican Communion had actually censured the American Episcopal Church um, for affirming same-sex marriage yeah. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, so in, I, in that sense, go on, go on. This will be short. Okay. 40 seconds. Um, the Anglican Communion is all of the all Anglican or Episcopal churches around the world, um, which started out of the mother church, the Church of England, and then through changes to colonialism and and so on, these churches have become independent, but they are still connected to the Anglican church. So it's almost like a theological um, commonwealth, right. so to speak. Um, and so the majority of the Anglican communion is actually in Africa and Asia, mm. and they are traditionally 
more conservative than the Western um, sides, such as the Church of England and the Episcopal Church in mm. the US. And I was just going to say, well, because of that censure, it was quite yeah. a surprise for me that um, Curry was actually invited to give the sermon. Hmm. Particularly when, if you had watched the entirety of the church uh, ceremony itself, they read the um, prayer, is it, sorry, the statement on marriage from the Anglican Book of Prayer, yeah. mm-hmm. which actually affirms a traditional stance yeah. on mm-hmm. marriage, it being covenant between man and woman before god yeah um and if you know that the person who's going to preach the sermon at the wedding fundamentally actually doesn't affirm that as true Hmm. i wondered what sense there was in him in him being given the opportunity to give this address um it almost seems like there's there's a balance being trying to be met in, in a sense of you're trying to adhere to your old traditions of of the Anglican, fitting in the Anglican church, but also trying to adopt to Meghan and Harry, who who arguably are, are happy to have someone like Michael Curry because he represents a forward-thinking, progressive uh, state of religion. Okay. Um, so it's like if we're going to, if we if we have to sit through a sermon, if we have to go through this religious ceremony, mm. let's have someone who is moving forward than right. what our, mm. our, our predecessors and people behind us had. And I think that's something that they. I, I'm not saying that that's, they wanted him for that reason, but right. I could imagine, because even with the, the, the articles I read afterwards where people were championing the sermon or championing Michael Corey, they were saying this very similar things. Yeah. So I think for me, I would have to stop short of championing him. Um, but I don't think me appreciating the agreeable parts of his sermon means yeah. that I endorse mm. his entire theological framework. Yeah. I think that distinction should be made. Yeah. Because some people wanted to jump on next and be like, if you like this sermon, you're a heretic, you're supporting a heretic, da, 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 which I just thought was a bit too far-fetched. Yeah. Mm. And it's hard because I think we do that subconsciously mm. where, where we, we hear something and we think, oh, this is true, this is this is good. And then we read about the person's life or we read about uh, what they believe in your life. And almost impacts the sermon in another way. And you're like, oh, the sermon wasn't that great. And it's like, no, what he said was good mm-hmm. and true um, generally. So why would you now try? I get why, but why would you now almost try and dismissed the sermon like it didn't have any good or good or agreeable parts in it mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I saw a lot of people do that it's, it's that fear of if I say it was good that means now I'm now affirming my yeah, career yeah. as a man yeah. and you can listen you can appreciate it's a novelty I like the fact that there was a black preacher <laughs> that was that <laughs> was one of the things black. that I appreciate and loads <laughs> yeah. loads of people who enjoyed the sermon and didn't necessarily enjoy the sermon still appreciated that fact that listen this is something I've never seen before. Yeah. And actually, in a very real sense, people who don't go to church are having a, or don't go to church regularly, are experiencing what a different preaching style looks like. Yeah. Um, and so those kind of novel aspects were things that you could laud. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Thoughtful nature. Um, just that, yeah, we certainly can't, can't say that to affirm or to like one sermon means we've endorsed the entirety of someone's theological framework. I think we kind of discussed that with R. Kelly yeah. in the last episode as well. Shout out R. Kelly and his Spotify increase. He said no weapon. No weapon. He said no weapon. All right, so preacher man, tell us, do you think that there's an actual right way to deliver a sermon? Because this was the point about Forceful the, the energy, energy 
and forceful <laughs> and dramatic. And because of the British public, they're so PC yeah. in how they say things. Mm-hmm. So you, they really wanted to say, this guy was wilding, like he was probably shouting <laughs> on the stage, but they couldn't yeah. say that. So they had to say, oh, so energetic, right? And uplifting and forceful. If I mm. use the term microaggression, will we have some listeners who are like, hmm. I, I thought it was a, 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 a small microaggression, but right. that's just me. Okay. And just, I'm Is there a right way to deliver a sermon? That's that's um, interesting. I mean, I don't think so. Okay. Deliver, so I'm, when I say delivery is different to content and, mm-hmm. and, and structure. Um, and so I'm thinking of oratory and speaking styles, forms of communication. Um, and I think the history of oratory means that there have been... There are, there are, Different ways to deliver a sermon, all of that can be done well, um, as long as, which is I think the primary goal of any delivery style, as long as it takes into account the people listening. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's the part where Michael Curry did not help himself. So he was very energetic, forceful, and it was clear to see from all those who have any sort of like experience of sermons that he was coming out of an african-american preaching style mm-hmm. and for african-american for an, for an african-american preaching style he was very conservative check out charlie dates check out hb charles yeah um and you will see energy <laughs> if you think <laughs> if you think michael curry was energy you have yeah. not seen anything however um for britons um they have grown up no matter what theological um, tradition, whether that's Anglicanism, Methodists, even Pentecostal, really, in Britain, it's still very reserved and very um, conservative in style, not mm. like in theology or anything. And so for them, it was very, whoa, yeah. like, you're not meant to show emotions, you're meant to deliver, you're meant to be more cognitive. Right. Let us think and um, say some few words and be very still um so for them it was very out there mm. and i think in that sense it wasn't delivered well because it wasn't delivered in light of the people that were listening okay mm. i just i just thought to myself actually he might have been aware of that and decided to go ahead with his style because he was thinking of the people who were watching Point. <laughs> that so that actually could have been a consideration Point. but for the people in the in, in st george's chapel i don't think it was appropriate to them okay um so yeah but there's no cut and fast no 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 right no, no, no. i don't think so and i think if you if you if you believe there's a um definitive way to deliver a sermon you're wrong first of all um, <laughs> so that means israel saying i gesticulate when i preach i use my hands and whatnot yeah shout out john piper <laughs> john piper's another one like wow i know there isn't it's just you have to do it in such a way that the people listening get the message mm-hmm. And if the people listening are used to reserved speaking where they get to think, your hand movements and your jumping is going to distract them because that's not what they're used to. But if you go to Chicago and you go to a historically black church in Chicago and you stand there with your monotone speaking style about the goodness of God, they're going to look at you and say, are you even a Christian? (laughs) I said it was good. (laughs) Get your praise break on, brother. And that's going to distract them because they want to see you not just say he's good, they want your body to say he's good they want to see you move your hands in goodness like just preach the word man and and so you have to you have to consider the people listening out there was um this is this is me going off so you you're free feel free to cut me off whenever you want um (laughs) albert moeller who is the president of the southern baptist theological seminary 
in Louisville, white, southern um, Christian, can be somewhat reserved and very cognitive and intellectual in his speaking. Mm-hmm. He went to H.B. Charles's church in Jacksonville, Florida, and, and, and he went to preach there at a conference. And I was worried because I was like, you're a white man going to a black church. They're not going to, like, there might be a cough. But this guy went black. <laughs> and so I appreciated dumb. that because he started moving in ways I've never seen Albamola move before. Yo. I just thought to myself, this is not how you speak but at your seminary. That seems so performative. Like, if but I know it, I'm going to go to a church it, it, in here, I'm going to start um, shaking and jiving. But if I go to my own church, I'm going to stand still. But I appreciate that because he he accommodated for the people. He said, you know what, this is Accommodate a black church. Accommodate for them in the word. Why do you need to but be he, shaking and jumping around? Any, like, he didn't say anything that he wouldn't... Am I trolling or... No, no, I was just going to say, but that isn't say that any, Israel's point. Yeah, he didn't say anything that he wouldn't say at, Southern, at the Southern Baptist Seminary. But so words he, change, aco- just... he, he, uh, he added to his words the actions that would be appreciated by a black church. So his hands were a bit more free than he would at the seminary. He, he, he went on these tiptoes at one point. I was like, whoa, yo, yo, you, sh- you, have, you have tiptoe? He even sang probably. What are you doing? I'm done. And he, he, he was punchy, which was, and I think that that's what I meant. Like he, so he delivered a normal sermon that he would deliver, but he recognized that I need to do it in a, in a way that's appreciative of the people that are listening. Okay. Um, and Michael Curry probably should have in a little bit done the reverse just to make sure that he accommodated to and I think he probably think he was doing that but you know British people are way more reserved than white Americans um, but hey doesn't mean that everything that he said is now gone out the window it's mm. just one of those p- things to be mentioned so yeah, yeah listen if you're hearing this you disagree you agree let us know what your thoughts were on the yeah. sermon did you appreciate Michael Curry speaking what did you think he did well what did you think he didn't do so well make sure you hit us up Blackberry on Twitter, Blackberry on Facebook. You can even email us. Perhaps we'll put some of your, your quotes out there mm. and see what people thought about it. So um, moving on from the wedding per se, yeah, wanted to talk about somebody who was act, obviously like a central figure. Yeah, One of the ladies getting married on the day. Not so much about her as an individual, um, but a lot of the kind of argumentation that was going on around her and what this wedding significant Signified, you know. <laughs> wow. Signified. Signified. <laughs> See, you're, you're doing um, HP Charles and Album Mola. <laughs> um, sorry, what is wedding significant? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Double tap. We've got an episode title. Yeah, significant. Um, significant. What this wedding signified for black Britons here in the UK? Um, and again, very polarizing discussion um anybody who's been following kind of the debates that's been taking place lots of people have been saying yes this is really good for black people mm-hmm. um mega markle's in there now um sorry in the in the royal family now my kid can marry a royal one day something like that well yeah twitter went off, yeah, it went off. alternatively yeah. some people just like listen i don't even care she's not black why are you guys <laughs> even doing this kind of thing imaging we will talk about policing blackness hmm. but we will first of all start off by asking why does anybody care should it even matter? Wow. I think, it, I think it does matter. I think um, she's she's of mixed heritage. Um, her father's white, her mother's black. Um, and she's the first of her kind um, in the sense of the previous royals didn't marry someone 
who wasn't white um and she and she's she's american which which does have an impact as well because you think of um blackness in america and the hist in, in the history of of that as well um and and how our culture is in the uk and and how we've historically dealt with race um and discrimination so i, I think it does matter and I, I think it would be ignorant to, to make to, to assume that her she's just one American woman, former actress, getting married to a prince, there has no kind of bearings on me. And even the little things they've done, I remember the statement that they first released when they got engaged around um, just how they've dealt with racism and race. Mm. Um, and even some of, it's, it hasn't been much, but some of the speaking engagements they had, I remember they went to a radio station in Brixton, I believe. Mm -hmm. And she spoke, they both spoke briefly on on things that related to race so i i think it does matter of course the jury's still out in terms of what will happen and how that will impact the everyday person but i, I think it possibly and probably will have uh bearings on race and and um the way we deal with race in the uk um i think it will anyway what do you think israel um i think to a degree it was significant um I don't think it's as significant as we would like to believe. And there's always hope. You know what I like? There's always hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read an article in The Spectator by Rod Liddle. Um, now, this guy's fairly conservative, and that's me being generous. Um, and he, to a degree, he politi politicizes the whole um, discussion around Meghan Markle, but he does say something that I. That caught my attention. So I'm gonna, just going to read a brief brief excerpt. Is it excerpt? Excerpt. Yeah. Excerpt. Wow. Wow. Okay, so um, he says, here's something to bear in mind over the next few years. Be wary of taking advice on social justice from someone who's wearing, whose wedding dress costs £200,000. Marks and Spencer's does one for £69 off the peg. Megan could have donated the remaining £199,931 to generating gen um, genius. The charity oh, set up by the, by the brilliant. <laughs> by the brilliant <laughs> You're gonna spend sixty nine pound on your wedding day. All right then. That's yeah, not a problem if you do, by the way. No, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no problem. Yeah, but so that's, that, that's if not, you that's, have the choice, yeah, yeah. sixty nine pound and three hundred grand. Give me the three hundred um, grand. could. She could have then um, donated it to Generating Genius, the charity set up by the brilliant educationalist Tony Sowell, which tries with huge success to get inner city black kids into our top universities by instilling in them respect for academic excellence, hard work, and discipline. And this is the second part. Um, he says for sure Megan looked lovely and the wedding undoubtedly made a lot of people very happy and one wishes her and Prince Harry nothing but the best for the future um, but I'm not sure it was quite as some have said quoting David Lammy British Britain's Obama moment our our <laughs> is that what our, David Lammy said? yeah our <laughs> Obama moment came with Clyde Best scampering down the wing for West Ham in the late 1960s or Trevor McDonald reading the news. Hey, now, so I've met his, Trevor McDonald. And he I'm continues, so proud when I met him. Like, again, he's politicising the whole issue and he basically lambasts the liberal elite for making this bigger than it is. Um, but the parts that he mentioned that I appreciated was that let's not get caught up in the mere act of a white man, Harry, marrying a black woman, Meghan Markle. Um, as some sort of transformative action for the black community in Britain. The true transformative actions for the black community is people like um, Tony Sowell and Generating Genius, Trevor McDonald, changing the image of um, the black community as 
one that are just as intelligent as anyone else and so on and so forth so i think in in that regard from that from that position i um what i take from this discussion about Meghan markle is i appreciate it but i don't want i don't want it to distract the british black community from where true um transformation happens which is the getting black kids into oxbridge russell group universities where we get black news presenters um and so on and so forth as the true um what am i trying to say as the true like ideal and aspiration for us to look up to and applaud yeah i mean listen i um don't have too much to say on this either way actually <laughs> um i can hear what the spectator article was saying yeah heard what mary said i think the visibility is important that's what i was gonna people say. people mm. shouldn't underestimate how powerful or empowering it was to see sheku on the chelin chelin what's going on today cello. <laughs> on the cello <laughs> i was about to say the cello. To think about yeah. it, you know? um, like, what is a cello sheku on the cello um, yeah who if you've looked into him is an amazing mm, musician mm, mm. and if you read his biography fantastic just in terms of his pedigree mm. um or seeing that choir or for example having michael curry preach or if you took notice of the guests seeing some of the inner city young black yeah, people Carl, carlo carlo yeah. that you know do community service yeah mm. right and so if these people are not necessarily being given a platform but at least they're yeah. visible yeah it certainly made me... I've heard of Shaku before, but I was concerned to go and say, man, this guy deserves some accolades. Yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> and more so, you'd be encouraged to go look into who's there. Like, what do they do? Yeah. Kind of thing in Majig. And if you, for example, went away and you looked up who Carl Loco is, he's got a very interesting story and the stuff and the work that he does now in London, um, I'm sure is quite impactful for the young black people around him. Um, and so, I, listen, I wouldn't discredit the visibility element that comes with Meghan Markle yeah. marrying into the royal family. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not paying regard to that yes yeah. so i so i i agree with that um all i all i was saying was that that needs to be affirmed and we shouldn't lose sight yeah. of so I, I guess i was more so reacting to a potential danger as opposed to an a, a, um, affirmation made um what i hope for actually as a as my last point is that megan would set up a foundation directed to the black community in england okay in the uk that she can direct her efforts to as Duchess of Sussex. Um, that would be really cool. So, you know, su- such like, and I imagine she probably will. I hope it's for BAME, the BAME community. Okay. That's a personal bias. Um, you know, <laughs> Harry has done a lot for um, bringing awareness to the disabled community, um, veterans, the mental health issues. So I hope Megan can keep, keep in that tradition and do something um, for the BAME community in the UK. Um that will like you know like the guests like Carlo that have brought change to um, the communities in inner London and so on and so forth. Mary, were you about to chime in and say something? Um, I can't remember. That's cool. Yeah, I can't remember. That's cool. So, all right, cool. <laughs> Speaking on that whole kind of Meghan Markle thing, what can she, what can't she do for the black community? I mentioned earlier that some people were saying, "Why does it even matter? She's not even black." or she's like they've tried to work out the fraction of blackness which she has Uh, uh, uh. and how valuable that actually is towards black people in the UK so I'm going to move this away from Meghan Markle Mm -hmm. and I'm now going to ask you guys have you ever had your blackness policed 
or have you ever policed another person's blackness? And be honest, don't try and shirk this question. Don't <laughs> try and shirk I have to police Danny's blackness all the time. <laughs> I've never had my blackness questioned. For me, to be honest. Because I'm black. All right, go, 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 go. Um, I think, okay, yes, I have. In many ways, I have. Were you police someone's <laughs> blackness? Yeah. Wow. It's In a sense of, okay, so we had this discussion last season actually around um, can you be pro black and marry someone of another oh, this, race? Okay, cool, yeah, yeah. And there's times when I've seen someone, I'm like, oh, he's, you know, I've heard, listened to his, him speak or her speak, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. He's, he's, he's speaking about things or she's speaking about things that pertains to, to, to prospering of black, the black community. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then I'm going to see the person's spouse and I'm like, and then I'm, and then I'm like, <laughs> and then for me, it's like, they lose a bit of, but they lose a bit of points in my eyes. It's like, okay, if you're really for black women and trying to make sure that, you know, they know that they're beautiful and black hair and that they, they, they fight against colorism. But meanwhile, your baby's a bit of a, she's not black. Um, So I think that's, that's the ways I do it. I don't really do it for mixed race people. I know that they're usually the, the people that get the, you're not black, you're, mm. you're mixed race. I, I don't do it for them. But that's probably because of a, the historic lens of how we've dealt with mixed race people and always identify them as black just because yeah, that's always how it's been. What about you, Israel? Confess your, your <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't. Have I, you policed or been policed? Um, I don't think I've, I don't think either have actually occurred. Maybe that's just, I haven't, thought about or traced my personal timeline that well i don't think so um policing for so first of all policing other people's blackness uh not really just because i don't i don't really Man, like i don't really care like that what was i gonna say what's that film what film get out yeah everyone jordan peele got it yeah, yeah but no it's not even jordan peele i was gonna say everybody after that film came out we was all talking about Somebody's in the sunken place. That that's oh, go, that, that goes is, as far as oh, yeah, policing blackness. Oh, that is someone's blackness. Even things historically of old, oh, Derek Okunar or their Oreo, so, yeah. they're black so outside. That, it, it could inside. be, it could be that. But I don't. So, so for example, I can. I okay. Maybe maybe you guys will correct me on this point. I I can disagree with someone's views as opposed to what I think a black person should hold, but I don't know that I. I therefore say they are less black. So, for right. example, like the whole political issue, <clears throat> black Labour, um, black Democrats. Mm-hmm. I know, I know a good number of black hardline conservatives, right. and I think to myself sometimes mm, mm, on on issues. <laughs> That's policing blackness, really. but I don't. But I don't <laughs> think I don't think they've lost any of their blackness. Right. Okay. But that might be more to do with my um, philosophy, political philosophy, as opposed to my expectations of what it means to be black. Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that is classed as policing blackness. I don't think it is, okay. but maybe one can argue that such, uh, as opposed to, so the other one, have I been policed? Mm, I don't think so. Um, but I think as a broader, as part of a bigger group, I think so. Okay. To, 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 what I mean is there are some views that I hold that are, traditionally conservative or libertarian or classically liberal that people have looked at and said but you is black how, <laughs> how are you going to they say it like that as well <laughs> it, they really come to me in, in Marks and Spencer they stop me as I'm buying my um, chicken and yeah. <laughs> but you is black <laughs> it's what's <my style>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool cool uh, so I think yeah so maybe that's but that's more like a 
me putting myself into a bigger group right and dealing with it on a systematic level as opposed right, to individually right. individually i don't i don't i can't recall being policed okay right. i mean what have you done yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was actually gonna start with having my blackness policed oh, I have think you had your blackness i've police? had my blackness policed but not by black people interestingly enough huh. right. so i'm not sure if this is just racism um, <laughs> no Most but likely probably yeah. I, I mean i just think of one example when i first went to university um i remember we were going out one evening and we were upstairs having what we call pre-drinks. And this was like the first week. So it's fresh as we're meeting people, yada, yada, yada. Two guys of a specific descent, which I won't mention because it's unnecessary, um, but they were not black. Um, saw me wearing Vans and they were like, bro, like, call me bro, first of all, I don't know you. <laughs> Second of all, they're like, bro, we didn't wear black Vans. Black boys don't wear Vans. They wear Adidas crepes. And I'm wow. hearing that and I was just like, hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, hmm. <laughs> Who involved you? <laughs> and Vance was in at that time. I was feeling swaggy that evening. But nonetheless, yeah. anyway, um, that is the example that comes to mind when I think about having my blackness policed. Mm-hmm. Um, have I policed blackness? Unlike that, I can't think of specific examples where I can say I've definitively done that. But knowing my playful self, mm-hmm. I might I might just say I at some point I feel like I would have done it. <laughs> Let me be honest. I feel like at some point I would have done it. Yeah. I just can't. Nothing comes to mind immediately like as vividly as that. Yeah. But have you ever self-policed blackness? Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask that question as well. Because yeah. I, I think, especially at work, for example. Mm. So like there was a period where I didn't want to um, have like chicken. Same, I was about to use that example. Like oh I wanted to my, have like, and there'll be times when I would like, I would have my the typical quote unquote black food. Yeah. Um, And I was like, okay, I don't want them to know what I'm eating today. Mm. Or little things like, They'll be talking about something and I and I and I pretend I didn't know it. Or or I won't chime in because I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, you would talk about the new, I don't know, Kano album, wouldn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just pretend I'm like I just I just wouldn't engage. Yeah. Mm. And I think a lot of the time I self-police because I feel like I represent black people at yeah. work or when I'm around yeah. people of other races. Yeah. You share that? With, yes. Okay. You I would go to an event and um this is a struggle. I would see the the food on offer and I'll look around and I might be the as a lot of times when I'm the only black person, um, more often the only black male, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not gonna conform to your stereotypes because I know you're looking at me and you're thinking he's gonna go for the chicken, but I'm not I'm gonna go for the chicken. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna get, get the, the veggie option. <laughs> <laughs> and who am I kidding? I'll never go for veggie. Yeah. But, but as in, I'll like, I'll like, I'll moderate, and I'm just consciously, constantly thinking because in that moment, especially if I'm the only black person there, I thought. It, it makes a statement because I, they're looking thinking, okay, he's going to do the black thing. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do the black thing actually. Or as Mary um, has mentioned already, like I'll, I'll be in a group event. So there might be a social event where we go to the pub and they will start talking about like a black artist. And I'm just like, I'm not going to comment. Yeah. I'm not going to comment. Mm-hmm, not nope, me. Not, not going to do it. And it will be something about Drake or something. And it's like, everything they're saying is just so off. And I'm just like, <laughs> I am not going to be the black person encyclopedia that corrects all your views or does all of these things. I'm just going to keep it in and leave you guys to do your business because I know that the minute I do that, that's going to alter your perception right. or affirm yeah. some of your views of, of black people. That's a shame. The struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't do that. 
Black, 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 black. <laughs> <laughs> so you please drink out loud on the bus, On the bus, on the train. If it's, a, if it's your chance to choose, I remember, it's so funny, I used to work in a place, right? Sorry, this is a small segue. We're going to get onto what this actually, do you do this in terms of your Christian identity? Okay. But I remember being in a workplace and choosing what radio station we listened to was always a very, very important thing, Imagic. Like, mm-hmm. I worked with an elderly black lady and uh, um a white man, both perhaps in like their mid thirties, mid forties kind of magic. And um, there were, I'd probably say two urban radio stations that some people were a bit uncomfortable with us hearing. Mm-hmm. But best believe if I'm in at nine, radio one extra, <laughs> choice FM. That's what we're listening to, bro. Not even smooth. No, 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 get out of here. I think the safe option was jazz FM or something yeah. like that. Man's not here for that. But okay, cool. Um, but what about your, your, your Christian identity? What do you mean in terms of the balance between that and your blackness or so you have to police your christian identity <laughs> so you've 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 held off on doing something that's a bit christianese because is or, that what you're referring to no so i'm saying like with blackness with regard to your christian identity do you ever feel as if like i remember i remember this kofi actually used the phrase i've been living my best black christian life mm. and i was stunned because i was like what does what does that mean like are those mm. two things are they not necessarily opposed are they separate things? I think Are in they... the, so I'll say this. Um at my workplace, uh there was a a staff member was leaving. Mm. Um and so the, the the whole end of end of the work, give their speech. And as they were coming up to give their speech, this was an irony, but it kinda happened. All the black people were sitting next to each other, and all the white people were sitting next to each other. I don't think it was intentional, it just happened because friendship circles, the rest of that. And when the, the man stood up, fairly old in his in his fifties, um, they all started chanting the older people in the in the black section MOG 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 and all of us younger staff members started laughing mm. because we knew exactly what he meant right. man of God and, and, <laughs> and the reason that they won't say man of God is because the white folks just wouldn't get it because right. by and large they're not Christian and so it was trying to like be black Christian the whole Pentecostal because the, the man I mean so this man is like you know the spiritual father of the of the of the of the workplace he's the person you go to to tell them of your spiritual <laughs> but it's one of those things where you just can't explain yeah. the, the whole like yeah. you can't exp- so you have to they, they did it in code and all of us were laughing because we understood the code and we we're thinking these people are mad <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 the white folks are laughing but everyone knew you guys don't know why you're laughing yeah. <laughs> it was like <laughs> you're just laughing yeah. and that's and i think that was an example of policing Right. black christian identity because we wanted to have our moment yeah and joke about but we knew we had to be mindful of the bigger workplace yeah and so we sort of did it in code yeah to restrain it such that we could laugh but not make everyone feel like i say they weren't necessarily part of the black pentecostal right. church community in london so i mean even in terms of um so say your christian tradition mm-hmm. um I'll leave that for you guys to define. But do you feel that there are, say, um, parts of your Christian tradition, for example, um, that have made you rethink some of the things that you've enjoyed as a black... One of the things that comes to Say mind that for question me... Again? So when you consider, like, your Christian tradition... Yeah. So we'll use, we'll use one, like, music. One mm-hmm. of the ones that comes to mind for me... I don't think this happened to me, but I've had this conversation with people who said, for example, they entered into a kind of like a reformed Christian tradition. Yeah. And 
the style of worship that they listen that is used within their churches mm. is kind of hymnal yeah kind of thing like that and so they felt as if their enjoyment of quote unquote gospel music kind of dissipated over time because it just wasn't it didn't, a, it didn't tally shame. up do you know what I mean with the that's kind of stuff that, yeah it didn't tally up with what the kind of stuff that they were singing on a regular basis Sunday to Sunday yeah now I wondered hold on is that to do because of actually like you're, you're finding more richer theology perhaps in the hymns that you're reading um and so you're looking at some of the songs that you were singing previously and thinking oh, these aren't as like weighty thing images not all of them or was it just generally just because you felt oh, uh, I'm Christian now like don't really do um gospel songs kind of thing like that yeah I think there is a there's a and, I, and a lot of people said yeah it was kind of like that's kind of how they feel yeah and that never happened to me maybe just because mm. I loved Christian hip hop too much <laughs> but um that yeah that just never happened to me right um but I I do I I did sense a lot of people's struggles to fitting when they moved into conservative conservative circles um but I I think um and and, and I get the Cause even I think someone like Jackie Hill, she just recently released an album and she said she has dope like, album. She has like interludes. She has interludes for her album of like people singing hymns, like the old school Pentecostal hymns. Uh, and she she almost wanted to encourage people the fact that okay, even though the black church has has people now saying you know the black church isn't sound or or doesn't always produce sound music, there are many songs that are sound. And she almost wanted to give like a a refresh and a re- and a remembrance yeah. to people to remember to, to to remind themselves of that, mm. and I and I think for me it, it's it's and I, and I get what Kofi's saying in terms of you've embraced who you are as a black person, mm. um and you have that with your with the supreme kind of truth of your Christianity. So when you have both of them working in its fullest, in its fullest, um, it you can really enjoy who you are as a human being. Yeah. Um, and I and I think that's the balance that you you want to strike. It's hard though because sometimes you you. You trying, of course. You know that everything submits to the lordship of Christ. Because mm. sometimes even your your blackness, I'm not saying it could be idolatry. Because I, I don't want to. I don't always want to jump no, to that. My but, preacher told me my blackness is falling. Bruv, and it is. <laughs> your blackness is falling. And of course, you you want to love yourself and you want to be as black as you can be. But you know that your Christianity wins every time. Um, and some things you just have to give up. That's fine. I'm black. Christian and proud. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Israel? Um, or did you have any concluding thoughts on that? I so um oh, I think, funny. I think <laughs> I'm trying to trying to structure this in my mind so that it makes sense. So basically I, I had similar experiences in terms of entering a reformed um community and almost feeling like I had to get rid of my black gospel upbringing but i think um what saved me (laughs) non-salvifically just for those who might be particular about terms um was that uh in studying reformed philosophy and the whole christian worldview idea that we talked about a number of times on on blackberry the blackberry podcast is that i could actually go back and look at the gospel songs that i grew up with and look at them through the Christian worldview to see the good that was there, mm. as opposed to viewing it as oh, it doesn't it doesn't match the cultural um, standards of the British Reformed community. Therefore, I have to abandon it. Mm. No, there are sound black gospel music, um, gospel music in this world, 
that I can listen to, enjoy, appreciate and hold to while still singing the hymns that I've grown to love by being in the Reformed Evangelical community and so on. Um, it's not it's not either or. Um, I've learned to see it as both and. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I would say on top of that is there was a recent episode or the most recent episode, I should say, of Ask Pastor John, um, which is titled, Should We Sing of God's Reckless Love? So there's a new, it's not by Hillsong, it's by an individual artist, um, Odi, a never-ending, reckless love of God. Um, basically, the whole podcast talks about like the Hillsongy type of songs mm-hmm. and should we sing those? And his discussion, I think, is good in relating back to the whole situation of black gospel music um, because it's, he was saying what you really need to do is to sit down and think through the lyrics and see the theology inside of it as opposed to making blanket statements due to the style or mode that is delivered. Mm. Um, which I think is what we did, or what I did initially, is that, oh, there's a bit too much jazz in this. This is a bit too... Turn it off. Therefore, it has to be wrong. Actually, let me sit down, let me look through the lyrics, and I see, oh, this is this is sound. Mm. I listened to Kurt Franklin Stump the other day, and it proper bangs. Hey. <laughs> it ain't me. over. I literally was like, this is bangs. And even yeah. like... Um, I'm Nigerian, so I, I, I sing like Yoruba hymns or high praise. Mm. I'm just like the worldview of like being able to enjoy that yeah. song. It's, it's I, I will never forget the moment when I found out one of the Nigerian um, songs that we used to sing in my Prince Church growing up was actually just a straight out um, yeah, psalm. Him. Oh, psalm. Oh, like word for I was like because he, he was he was like condemning these guys like you were condemning there the with their drums and their. <laughs> Um, no plays drums, by the way. I mean, drums. <laughs> I'm such a hypocrite. Hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! drums as you're playing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really con- like initially, I was con- I was like, what rubbish is this? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's a song. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so humbled. Listen. I took my sackcloth. I took my ashes. Good. I was walking through the marketplace Man like, "Who is me?" You <laughs> emoji. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, cool. Gosh. Hey, listen, hold that thought. Um, yeah. Because we're going to be talking about um, gospel drill. Um, Where's your belly? Mm. I actually left my two bellies at home. You have two bellies. I have two bellies, but we're not going to talk about. Wait, why, so I've got a question here. What what are balaclavas always used for criminal activity? Was there no, a genuine? So what do, what would you use them for? No, you could use them when you go yeah. skiing. Mm. You can use them when you go go karting. Mm. Um, there are a number of other extreme <laughs> sports. Exactly, but that's the point. Oh, balaclavas aren't just used for. Where do you get balaclavas? No, from? but as in, let's let's stick to the inner London experience. Skiing is not the inner London experience. Let's just let's just. Well, Clarify. maybe if you went to a school that broadened your horizons, it oh. might be- well, don't you wear balaclavas under if you're like if you have a motorbike? Yeah. Oh yeah, come on. Exactly, come on, man. But what do you see when someone is driving their motorbike through the town? <laughs> the <Their> helmet. helmet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Again, cool. Again. But what's Let's helping to keep clarify. their face covered the, while they're riding? The, the everyday in the London experience. Yeah. yeah of so a if I see a man with a belly, I'm scared. Cr- again, this is, we're going to discuss it, and I do have a more nuanced. Um, point, but it's just, <laughs> it's just to put it out there, like, because I I do agree with the with the you know go karting and the rest of that, but you don't like when you when you go past a go karting centre and you see people driving and stuff, you don't see the balaclava. You just they see, give you balaclavas when you get it. You don't right, see the sky. You, right. you just see the helmet. <laughs> All right, guys. Anyway, yes. 
hello 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 so this conversation was going so well that we thought rather than us trying to cut it short and miss out any juicy important points for conversation that would actually split this into two parts so what you've heard is the part one of this conversation and our next episode will be part two that will continue and flow naturally from what we've just been discussing stay tuned locked in to listen to part two of the black Beard podcast episode 24.